Well, thank you, Pastor Jim, for the opportunity of ministering the Word of the Lord today. I also um, am grateful for uh, his entrusting this church uh, to me during his sabbatical and the privilege I had of just being here for nine months last year, off and on, through that period of time. Um, I'm also grateful uh, that Dave's coming home today. Uh, actually, he's not home till tomorrow, but uh, I think he's maybe starting back sometime today. So, so uh, we're looking forward to his coming back from India. I'm also uh, thankful for Maura Hackenmuller, who... Uh, serves as our secretary for Great Commission Media. And uh, so uh, we have a person right here on the block <laughs> involved in, in our ministry. So it's wonderful. Good to see you all. My goodness. Glad Ben is here. Ben and Hannah. So that's wonderful. Praise God. You look well. You doing okay? Good. Good. Why don't you stand? Just, I, I, I'm doing this so you don't fall asleep on me, all right? All right. I'm not going to make you stand the whole message, but I'm just going to stand for a minute just to pray, okay? Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you, Lord, for the uh, many weeks I had the privilege of ministering to this, to this church family. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of coming back again. And I just pray, God, that you will uh, you will bless your word to our hearts. I pray that you would help us to have ears to hear and hearts to respond to your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Exodus chapter 3 this morning. Exodus chapter 3, we'll, we'll get there in just, just a minute. Uh, just to give you a little bit of a background here, the book of Genesis chapter 37 to 50, we see the story of Joseph. Okay? And uh, Joseph, you know, very quickly goes from the pit where his brothers put him to Potiphar's house. Uh, from, from there to prison, and then after a couple of years in prison, a very difficult season in his life, and then uh, the Lord thrusts him into a place of leadership, the number two man in, in Egypt, right underneath Pharaoh. Amazing. Uh, you know the story, he reunites with his father Jacob and his brothers in Egypt, and and so <clears throat> the Israelites spend some 400 years in Egypt. Um, uh, they, they obviously expanded, they grew there, they prospered there uh, for, for many, many years. 600,000, 400, 400 years later, there are, there are 600,000 men, 20 years of age, who are able to go to war. So, you know, a lot of guys... Uh, there's, there's well over two million people, including women and children. Some say closer to three million. Uh, so basically, 
uh, over over twice the size of Minneapolis St. Paul. So I mean, I mean this is a lot of people. Okay, so so just kind of that kind of helps us to get our hands around the number of people we're dealing with here. Um, Exodus one reveals that a new Pharaoh comes to power that 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 obviously didn't know Joseph, uh, didn't have any connection with the past, and began to see Israel the Israelites as a curse and as a threat instead of a blessing because of their huge numbers and, and because of this, 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 potential, um, uh, this potential coup-creating group of people, 600,000 men of war. All right? so, so, so he feels threatened by this and um, begins to uh, bring persecution against the Jewish people. And, and this trouble and this pressure leads to something. What does it lead to? It leads to intercession. <laughs> it leads to prayer. Uh, pre- how many have found out that pressure leads to prayer? You know, how many pray for pressure? No, we don't pray for pressure, but pressure leads to prayer. <laughs> it's just, just the reality of the way that it is. And, and so we see Exodus chapter 2, 23 to 25. Um, Oh, no, it's not 23, 25. What is it? Yeah, it is 23, 25. Now, now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Children of Israel groaned because of the bondage. They cried out and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. Aren't you grateful that your prayers go beyond the ceiling? Their cry came up to God because of the bondage. Did they feel like it was coming up to God? Probably not. Was anything changing? Not, nothing was changing. Everything seemed exactly the same. It seemed that all their prayers were for naught, that nothing was happening. So God heard their groaning and God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob, and God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. So, so, so I, want, I want you to get the picture today that God is looking at you. Okay? That God is acknowledging you. That God has heard your prayers. <laughs> Praise God. It may look like nothing is happening today. It may look like nothing is being accomplished because of all the praying that you're doing. But God is acknowledging you and God is responding to you even though you have not yet seen it happen. How many are going to take that this morning? For something. Amen. I do too. I do too. I take it for some. Let me just share. I, I, Pastor Jim asked me to share it with uh, with the staff actually this week. And, and uh, you know, many of you know my granddaughter Melissa, right? And you were praying for her in Seattle. She has slight cases cerebral palsy in her legs, and she's now going to be seven in October, and and is not yet able to walk totally independently. She walks with a walker. Uh, couldn't even crawl for a long time, then went to crawling, eventually um, was able to walk with a walker. And, and I have in, in my mind this picture of seeing Melissa one day run, you know, uh, like on a track, running with her hair going behind her. You know, so, so when I pray for Melissa, that's what I see. So I'm thinking, anyhow, Colleen and I, this is just personal, this is family time here, so, so some of you don't, don't know me, just ignore this for right now. But anyhow, this is just family discussion here. Um, Colleen and I took Melissa to physical therapy a week ago last Monday. 
And, and um, uh, Melissa said to Carolyn, her physical therapist, she says, I can do this, and I'm going to show you I can do this. And so she said, I'm going to walk. Now, this is, you know, this is amazing. And, and so uh, with, with Carolyn just behind her, not, not touching her, she just walked behind her like this. And Melissa, very unsteadily, but began to walk. And I am not kidding you. Probably from here to the wall, she walked. Had to stop once or twice, but she, walked, she actually turned around and walked back. Now, for those of you who haven't seen her, I mean, yes! <laughs> That's right. It's amazing. Amazing for us. I mean, Carolyn, her physical therapist who's worked with Melissa since she was a baby, um, uh, you know, I mean, she's not a Christian at all. She's probably agnostic. But, but she said, oh, thank God! <laughs> she was jumping up and down, you know, because it's it's come to a... Totally different step. And, and so, you know, that is just a personal... Th- We've been praying to see this for a long, long time. And and so, some of you have been praying for us. You know, I've gotten a, even a few emails. You know, how's Melissa doing? Well, praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. God does answer prayer. It's not done yet. She, she's a long ways from running. But uh, we're, we're so, so grateful for what the Lord is doing on her behalf. So... All right, that's way off subject. All right, back to Exodus. So, they're crying unto God. Now, now I want you to know that God responds to, to Israel out of His compassion and because of His covenant, His commitment to them. Okay? Turn, turn back to Genesis chapter 15. This is just, this is just amazing. I, I mean, this is, this is, uh, just blows me away. Genesis 15. Verse 13. This is what, this is, this is many, many years before. I, I didn't go through the trouble of figuring out how many years before this was, but it was a long time before when God spoke to Abraham these words. Then God said to Abraham, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. Is that prophetic or what? And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge afterward. They shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass when the sun went down, it was dark that behold, there appeared a smoking, even a burning torch that passed between those pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham Notice those words. He made a covenant with Abraham to your descendants. I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the, the, uh, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. All right. All the, all the ites. All right. So, so God here, many, many years before, makes a covenant with Abraham. And he said, your people are going to be in a far off land for 400 years. But I'm going to bring them back because of my covenant with you. Okay. So now, 
God responds to Israel in that position after spending 400 years in Egypt. Now, he responds to them with on the basis of, of his compassion and on the basis of his covenant to them. And, and, and by the way, this, 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 this covenant of, of, of from, from the border of Egypt to the Euphrates was fulfilled fully um, during the reign of King David. Um, and I am so grateful that we can count on what God has said. We can count on what God has said. What God says, God performs. And by the way, there's a lot of people who say they speak for God. It doesn't come to pass. All right? And by the way, the scripture says you can tr- know a true prophet by that reality if they, if what they say don't come to pass. And, and, and by the way, there's, there's lots of things being spoken with, with great verbose today that aren't the, the, the word of the Lord. And so we need to discern the distinction between what God is saying and what man is saying. But Isaiah 55 is clear that when God has spoken, it will come to pass. Okay? So, so many, many years before, God speaks and says, hey, I know you guys are going to be in Israel, Egypt for 400 years, but, you know, that's not the end of the story. Alright? That's not the end of the story. So, so that's, that's what happens here. So, um, <clears throat> Exodus 2 tells this powerful little story about a little Jewish baby in Egypt. Uh, Jochebed is a, is a wonderful story. The mother of Moses. Uh, a woman of great faith and, and great courage, and that's a that's a whole biblical story in itself. Moses, this this Jewish boy, uh, is is ends up being raised by Pharaoh's daughter. He's schooled in the best schools of Egypt, probably the greatest universities of that day, uh, all over the world. Uh, Moses went there, um, uh, and and since the line of succession came through the oldest daughter, he could have well been in line as the next Pharaoh. Okay, but interestingly enough, the seeds of Jochebed planted in him as a small child during those years when she weaned him. Those those words spoken to him, that sense of connection never left him. That sense of identity remained with him. And so, verse eleven. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. He was probably about forty years of age at this time. And, and by the way, you know, Moses' life kind of runs in 40-year segments. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? Then he said, who, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now, um, I, I don't have an absolute answer to this question, but I have, I have an opinion. So, so uh, opinion is different than a clear answer. So, so uh, the the question is this: was, was this God's plan, or was this Moses' frustrating reaction to what he saw? As uh, when he saw, uh, he felt this connection to the Jewish people, even though 
even though he was he was amongst the uh, the the pharaohs living in Pharaoh's household. Uh, um, but but in spite of that, he still felt this connection to to the Israelites, and he saw the abuse. That, and and it, it, it just got it just got to the point where where he couldn't take it any longer. I think is what happened. And and I believe that 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 his motive was his motive was absolutely clear and, and right. But the question is, was this God's best? And my answer to that is, I think not. I think God would have done it a different way other than having Moses kill uh, uh, an, an Egyptian and burying him in the sand. I don't think that was God's intent. Okay, now that's my opinion. You may differ with that, and we can talk about that later at the picnic, and I'll be happy to straighten you out. Okay, but however... All right, all right. <laughs> but, um, uh, so... so uh, Moses becomes Dr. Richard Kimball, the fugitive. I mean, remember fugitive? Okay. So, so he becomes the fugitive. And, and he, he leaves Pharaoh's house and he, and he rushes to Midian. Now, Midian is not next door. Midian is across the Sinai Peninsula. <laughs> okay. Egypt, Sinai Peninsula where, where Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness. Okay. Wandering in the Sinai Peninsula. It's across the Sinai Peninsula, you know, uh, moreover by Jordan and Syria, you know, where the Midianites lived. Alright? So, so there's a law. So, so I mean, he, he is scared to death. You know, and, and he runs a long ways away from Egypt, you know, to get away from Moses. He knew what the Egyptian army was like, and he knew what their secret service was like, and he knew that they were going to have people out looking for him everywhere. And so he goes to Midian, about as far away as he could think to go. So, um, he's sitting by a well in the land of the Midianites. And, and he sees two beautiful young ladies come uh, to the well. And, and, and they, happened, they happened to be um, the, the daughter of Jethro, not from, what was that program? And not from the Beverly Hillbillies, so so the, you know, not that Jethro, but but the Jethro um, who who was who was uh, called the priest of Midian. And so these seven daughters come to the well, and, and and what happens is 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 the warrior Moses stands up for these girls against these shepherds who are going to kick them out from the well, and he says, "No way, Jose!" And he comes and he and he and he and he and he, and he pushes them back. He says, okay, you know, this isn't going to happen. All right? So the girls go home. And, and guess what? Moses ends up marrying Zipporah, the daughter of Jethro. Um, he fathers two sons, Gershom and Eliezer. And we say, well, I guess that's that. All right? He settles down as a shepherd. But, but, and 40 years, 40, count them, 40 years pass. Not 40 days, 40 months, 40 years. Forty years pass. Silence. How many like forty years of silence? Huh? Yeah. All right. Forty years not hearing the voice of God. Forty years out. You know. I, how many would think after forty years, okay, this is the end of the story, right? I'm I'm going to be a shepherd now. This I'm going to retire as a shepherd. This is the way it is. This is where I am. This is what's going on. And and so and so here he is. And and um, in, it's interesting me to to me that Exodus chapter two verses sixteen to twenty five. In ten verses, God covers forty years. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, and, and that's kind of what happens at funerals, isn't it? With the obituary, and you know, I mean, we cover all this then. 
a very short period of time. Well, that's that's what we have happen here. So, so all of a sudden, you know, Moses is just minding his business. You know, he's not he's not thinking any great spiritual thoughts. He's not thinking about Egypt. He's not he's not thinking. He's thinking about sheep and goats, and he's thinking about 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 you know going to the auction, and he's thinking about you know uh, he's got some sick ones here and sick ones there, and and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there's this pesky burning bush experience. Okay. Wasn't looking for it, wasn't anticipating it, wasn't desiring it, but all of a sudden, here's this pesky burning bush. And the voice of God speaks out of this bush. He hadn't heard the voice of God for 40 years, and, and God speaks to him and says, Moses, Moses, and, and, and he'd say what you would say if God spoke to you. I'm here. Right? Here I am. <laughs> Alright? You're talking to me? Alright, I'm here. I mean, I, you can imagine. He, he was, he was, he was scared to death. Okay, Exodus chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. What happens? Then God said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. Now remember, he lived amongst people that were idolatrous. The Midianites were idolatrous. He lived in a context that was ungodly for all these years. You know, there's there's no hint that he actually bought into any of that. It's kind of interesting, you know, that that he kept himself away from that. It seems I, we we don't have any hint of of idolatry in the life of Moses. Uh, it's not hinted at in in any context. And so and so God speaks to him in this context. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Moses is hearing this, and he's saying, that's good. It's a good thing. Good. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the places of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And he's thinking... This is better. It's gone from good to better. Okay, here. Now, God, you not only are aware of where they're at, but you're going to deliver them from the Egyptians. Oh, great. Praise God. This is wonderful. You're going to be deliver these people from, from the Egyptians and you're going to bring them into the new land. Okay, I'm all for that. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come up to me and I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. And I see him, he's on his face, and he's saying, yes, thank God you're going to do something. Wonderful. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now hold everything. Right? Alright, alright. You know, God, have you forgotten? <laughs> you know, did you forget 40 years ago? I'm a murderer. Dr. Richard Kimball. I'm the fugitive. I've been on the backside of the desert all these years. I'm a shepherd now. I've been a shepherd for 40 years. I'm no leader. I'm nothing. And, and so, and so now, uh, he begins to take huge steps back. And so he asks the question, who am I? And by the way, God doesn't answer that. 
because the answer was the same as what, what, what Moses was thinking. The answer was, I'm nothing. And God would have said, you're right. <laughs> That's right. You, you are nothing. That's not the point. What does God say? What is God's answer? His answer, verse 12, is, I will certainly be with you. (laughs) It's not about you. It's not about your abilities. It's not about your wisdom. It's not about how smart you are. It's not about the fact that you were even a murderer. It's It's not even about the fact that you spent 40 years on the backside of the desert and you smell like sheep now. No, it doesn't have anything to do with that. This is all about the fact about me and that I have called you. It's about me. Not about you. It's about me. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we make it about us. Huh? You know? And it's all dependent upon us and, and, and who we are and, and, and how strong we are and, and how capable we are and, and how mature we are in the Lord and, and, and how much we've prayed and, and how much we know the Word and, and how, and, and God says that's, you know, that kind of uh, make, makes me nauseated when I think about that you think that I'm using you because you're so great. Forget it! You're not great. That's not the point. It's all about that I am with you and I'm sending you. Now, I want you to get a point here this morning is that Moses was dealing with, with um, the power of intimidation. He felt very intimidated. Ever feel intimidated? He felt intimidated. Some of you know what intimidation is. Some of you have never been intimidated in all your life. I mean, <laughs> when you were, when you played little league, you know, you thought you were gonna, you know, be whoever, you know, huh? Yeah, Maurer. Now, right? Okay. So, yeah, I'm in Minnesota. I gotta be careful. All right. So, you know. But, but, but you had no question that's what you were going to be. You know, I mean, you've never, but, but many people struggle with the issue of intimidation. Intimidation. And, 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 and Moses struggled with intimidation. We, we, we see it often. Chapter four, verse one. Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. So then God goes through all this process of, 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 of doing signs and wonders to show him that he was going to be with him. Then, then verse, verse 10, then, then Moses said to the Lord, okay, let's change the subject. I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, uh, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or, or, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with your mouth. But Moses said, intimidation, Oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. Please, Lord, not me. Not me. Intimidation. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth 
and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and I will teach you what you shall do so he shall be your spokesman to the people and he himself shall be as a mouth for you and you shall be to him as God. Wow. And you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the sign. Now, interesting to me, you know, God actually negotiates with Moses. Isn't that interesting? God says, okay, okay. Okay, you say you can't speak. All right. Here comes Aaron. And he's a good speaker. And you know that. So, so guess what? He's going to speak for you. And, and you can see God almost, I don't know if God rolls his eyes. Does God roll his eyes? Is that theologically correct? I don't know. Jim, if God rolls his eyes. But anyhow, God gets frustrated. And, and here God is frustrated with Moses. You know, but God has chosen Moses. I love this. Moses is being stupid. He's talking to God. God says, I'm going to be with your mouth. And he says, forget it. I'm not talking. And God says, okay, okay. I'll bring Aaron. You know, I, I, I love it. What, what is the Lord? The Lord is long-suffering. How many are glad that he doesn't cut us off at the shoestrings the moment we do something stupid? Amen. Praise God. So grateful for that. And, and, and so here, here is this issue of intimidation. And, and, and a part of this intimidation, I believe, was linked to Moses feeling disqualified for God's purpose. Now let me, let me just make this applicable here, okay? I believe there are many people who disqualify themselves from God's calling, from God's purpose, because of failure. Because of failure. They've become the fugitive. They've done this. They've done that. They've made this huge mistake. And the enemy roars in their ear and says, you will never, you can never, I will never, God will never use you. God will never use you. God is not for you. God is, a, you know, God, God is simply putting up with you. You, you nauseate him because of what you've done, but, but he will put up with you and send you off to heaven one day. And you say, that's an exaggeration. It is not an exaggeration. This week, I got an email when I was pastoring in Seattle. Oh, going way back. I knew this kid growing up. His brother... And I are exactly the same age. Our birthday's on the same day. In fact, his brother and I talked yesterday. And Gary, very sharp, younger brother, very sharp, very intellectual, entrepreneurial, gone to Bible college, started a business, got hooked on crack cocaine, in and out of prison. When I was pastoring Philadelphia Church, he was out of prison. He was he was doing pretty good for about three years. Back in trouble again. Out of prison. Last time I saw Gary, he was doing good. But, you know, and he just died this week. So I was talking to his brother. Just died this week um, on heroin. Um, sugar diabetes, he had his leg cut off, 
uh, below the knee, and then they had to cut it off above the knee. Uh, and, and, he, and, and he had sores in his hip because he was shooting now in his hip. Um, heroin, and, and, you know, and Gary never really believed that God would ever really use him after he failed. And he never could get beyond that. There is the power of intimidation that causes people to let go of what God is saying. Listen, I will be with you. I will, I will give you a mouth to speak. I, I will help you. I will stand alongside of you. I, I will enable you to be, yes, you have failed. Yes, you're, you're a murderer. Yes, you've lived 40 years as a, as a shepherd on the backside of the wilderness. Yes, but I have called you to lead my people out of Egypt. And, and, and Moses is saying, no way, no way, no way. And, and eventually he, he, he agrees to do that very, very resistingly. But there are many people who haven't even got to that point yet that, that are still resisting the voice and the will of God and they have discarded it all and they have said, it will never be because I did this. And I am here to tell you today that is a lie right from the pit of hell and God has a word for you today and that word is, that is not true. Do not believe that word. The word of the Lord is clear. His hand is on your life for good and and He has a purpose that He wants to fulfill in your life. It may not be exactly what it was. Okay? It may not be ever what it would have been. Forget that. And that may have been part of Moses' problem. What could it have been if I wouldn't have killed the Egyptian? You know, how would have God, we have no idea. But we discount and we disqualify ourselves, the obstacles, resistance is huge. And and I mean, you can go on and on and on, Exodus 33, we're we're not going to take time to go there this morning, but I mean, you... This, this didn't leave Moses. I mean, continues. I mean, I mean, chapter 11 to 15, he says, God, if you, you know, I, I mean, this is many years later. Now they've been through so much. And, and Moses is saying, God, if you go with us, we'll go. But if you don't go with us, we're not going anywhere. And, and it sounds beautiful. But, but in a sense, it's not beautiful. Because, I mean, God had proven himself over and over again. And, 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 and Moses was still questioning whether or not God was with him. Wow. Remember how God spoke to Samuel about Eliab. Do not look at his appearance, the stature, because I've refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance. But the Lord looks on the heart. You know. Um, this, is, this is a secular story, but it relates to where we're at right here. Okay? Intimidation. 1947, Branch Rickey. The manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers interviews a potential infielder for three hours. In the end, the young man is signed to a salary of $600 a month, signing bonus of $3,500. Uh, 
What was different about this rookie was that he was to be the first to break the color barrier in an all-white world of Major League Baseball. And, and there's something here that I want you to grab a hold of because, because here we see a man that faced absolute amazing intimidation and rejection and discrimination. During spring training, several team members petitioned against him. In May of 1947, the St. Louis Cardinals threatened to boycott their series with the Dodgers if the Negro played. He received death threats and was regularly spiked by players as he ran the bases. But this young man refused to allow intimidation and rejection and discrimination to hold him hostage and manipulate him and to keep him from his best and to keep him from fulfilling his destiny. He won Rookie of the Year at a lifetime batting average of 311, was the first black athlete to be introduced into the Hall of Fame, and he posthumously received the, the, the Congressional Medal of Honor on May 2nd, 2005, and you know his name, Jackie Roosevelt Robinson. He refused to allow intimidation to eat him alive. Uh, one more story I want to share, and I'm done. Um, I'm mentioning no names, um, don't need names. There was a guy that during World War II was on an um, aircraft carrier. What was it called? The Enterprise, I think it was, during World War II. On board that ship, they had a massive revival. <laughs> I mean, a blowout revival. Hundreds of guys on board ship got saved. It was amazing. Amazing. He was profoundly impacted, this young man, and felt the call of God to Brazil. When he got home, he got busy with life and sales. He was still young. But for some reason, he allowed the intimidation of the fact that he did not initially respond to the call of God to keep him from doing what God had called him to do. He never fulfilled it, and he died a very sorrowful man. Now, I, I, I've, I've not ever preached this message before, so this isn't some repeat message from someplace else. I really believe God laid this on my heart for this house, for this Sunday. Who knows why? I have no idea. But I do know this. I do know this, that God is speaking to someone here today very specifically, and He is saying to you today, don't cave in to intimidation because you did X, Y, Z or because life went X, Y, Z, or because of this, or because of that. If you will pursue the Lord with all of your heart, He will fulfill His good purpose in your life. Because He is a merciful God. He is long-suffering, full of tender kindness. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? But somebody here today has thrown all of that overboard. 
because of X, Y, Z. And God is saying, would you let go of that and return to what I have called you to be and to do? Bow your heads. Father, today, I thank you for this precious church. Wonderful pastors. Thank you for what you're doing in this house. Thank you, Lord, that you're allowing Colleen and I to be connected here. And I I just pray, oh God, your blessing upon this house, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray for people who have been listening to the wrong voices, who have been agreeing with the wrong message. I pray that right now you would break the authority of the lie of the enemy this morning in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you would release people into the fullness of what you have called them to now. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. (coughs) But you need to respond. If this If God was speaking to you this morning and you have an ear to hear what God is saying and you are going to respond to that, I just want you to raise both hands up to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. I'm responding to you. I'm, I'm responding to you. I've made some mistakes. I've gone wrong directions. But God, I am yield to you today. I'm saying, yes, Lord. I will go. I will do. I will be. I will go where you want me to go. I will do what you want me to do. I will be what you want me to be in spite of X, Y, Z, in spite of what has happened. Lord, your hand is still on my life for a reason, for a purpose. And I am not going to annul that purpose by intimidation. I'm going to let go of intimidation today and I'm going to press in to being all that you have called me to be in the name of Jesus. And if that's for you, say amen.